So do you think we should have music for this thing? Uh, don't all podcasts have music? Yeah, I mean, as far as I can tell, I, I don't think I've ever heard a, 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 a podcast that doesn't have music. Well, this one won't. We're too cheap to buy music unless you want to make your own music. I mean, do you think they all buy the music? I mean, I'm sure people just, you know, borrow it, you know? I mean, like, but yeah, no, I'm not paying for a license. Well, let's set that aside for a minute, and maybe we should introduce ourselves. Uh, My name's Kevin Cray. My name's Steve DiMaselli. And we are the co-founders of The Point of Pittsburgh, uh, the website, and now here we are on The Point of Pittsburgh the podcast. So we agreed we're calling it Teapod, right? I believe the Teapop podcast is is what we uh, had settled on. So Teapod it is. Okay. So why in the world are we doing this? Well, I, I talked to a lot of folks that used to really love and enjoy the website, and they're always asking me, well, when is it coming back? And the reality of it is, is in, in the original format, it, it probably wasn't going to, but I think this is a nice way for us to get back in touch with uh, people that enjoyed the, 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 the website, um, it, you know, certainly new folks as well, too, uh, you know, just to kind of give you that high-end content and conversation that we, we always had. Well, you know, you and I started T-Pop the website on December 13th, 2014, 12, 13, 14, just for the numerology lols. And here we are starting a podcast the day after the regular season ended in 2022. So I want to congratulate you on our impeccable timing, uh, as always. We're going to have a month of easy content, and then it's just going to be an absolute struggle until uh, spring uh, training hits. So we're going to start this off by kind of doing... A T-pop style article, but for your earballs instead of your eyeballs. Uh, we're going to try to give some nuanced opinions, toss some stats into it, but not too many stats that if you're listening to this as you're driving on your way to work, that you're going to get distracted and crash your car. So what we're going to do first is an idea that Steve had called four on, four off. And we're going to look at the 40-man roster, and each of us are going to make uh, four picks to take off that roster and four picks to put on that roster. So Steve, why don't you lead us off with your first off the roster? So, so, so the first guy I'm going to take off is Nick Mears. Um, honestly, he's been uh, out to pasture for quite some time with injuries. Uh, I mean, he's, he's at least back. Um, you know, he went through rehab this year, went to the minors and he got a inning, uh, in the majors. Uh, but he's really been struggling with control and results. I just think he's a guy that you can push off the 40 man roster, make room for somebody else and, and still in all likelihood have him clear waivers and, and get to give him another shot next year. Yeah, I can see that. Um, for me, my first off is, is my easiest cut of all of them. And that's Kevin Newman. Uh, the pirates have a plethora of middle field options to sift through both now in the present, uh, but also coming up through the system in 2023, um, which we're going to touch on a little bit later in the show. Uh, It also helps that Kevin Newman is not good as a hitter uh, and vastly overrated as a defender. So for me, he's my first off. 
Yeah, so I'm going to stick with pitchers for my second off. I'm going to go with Miguel Yajore. Uh His stuff just isn't great. I honestly thought he might be the Jeff Karstens of the Jamison Tyon trade in the sense that he could be a good fifth or, or a fifth guy in the rotation, soft tosser, but at the same time, you know, possibly effective. Um, he just has no swing and miss. And uh, on top of that, he walks guys too. So I just don't see uh, a future for him in the rotation, in the bullpen. Uh, it just, it doesn't make sense to keep him around. Yeah. I'm going to kind of stick in that same vein and, and I'm going to pick a guy who uh, just as another guy that I thought at best was an upside of a number five, and that's Bryce Wilson. Um, he just is a guy that just does not have the stuff that you want to see, and I understand that he's young and he has oodles of control, but uh, a 15.5% K rate is, is just not going to cut it, uh, to say nothing of the 552 ERA, 505 FIP combination that resulted in a negative 0.1 war this year. So for me, uh, he's off my 40 man also. Yeah, my next pick is, uh, and I'm I'm staying with uh, staying with relief pitchers at this point, but it's uh, it, it's Blake Cedarland. Um, again, a lot of similar logic to Nick Mears uh, on the 60 man, uh, or excuse me, on the 60 day DL. Uh, I just don't see a spot for him. Uh, I mean, he's got a great arm. He's got a lot of upside, but I, I think they're going to be able to push him through waivers, and he's going to have some options if he does need to go down next year. Um, hopefully he can come back. I'm rooting for the guy, but I, I just it's just not practical to keep him on the 40-man roster. Uh, I'll stick with you in the bullpen, and I'm going to go with Eric Stout. Um, next year he's going to be in his age 30 season. He, to me, is utterly fungible. He's the kind of guy that is always floating around uh, on the waiver wire for a team team to pick up. Uh, and also that 579 ERA, 486 FIP, that also resulted in a negative 0.1 war, uh, is a very easy way for me to pick him off the roster. Yeah, and my final of the four selections, again another relief pitcher. And the sad thing is, is there's five or so more guys that could easily come off here, like Jeremy Beasley, Junior Fernandez. Johan Ramirez, I, I had him in that same category, but he has he's pitched a, a handful of decent games uh, here down the stretch. But uh, it's uh, it's Peter Solomon. Um, he's really, really struggled at AAA, and I just don't see him as a guy that's going to help the team in the short run or long term. Uh, there's definitely players that I think are eligible for the Rule 5 that are in that category, and, and I just don't see any point in keeping him. So, Steve, how many spots on the 40-man roster right now do you think are dedicated to catchers? Uh, man, I have to think... Uh, I mean, I, I, I think the answer is I, none that are any good <laughs> i don't know the total number what do you what do you got uh you, I don't know the... you saw through my trick question yes they are all terrible but there are five catchers right now on the 40-man roster including roberto perez who's on the 60-day dl uh i'm gonna just go down real quick on the win uh weighted runs created above average keeping in mind that 100 is an average for a hitter 
So leading the pack of catchers this year was Roberto Perez uh, with his stunning 102 in 69 plate appearances before he ruptured his Achilles and was lost for the season. Then you have Jason DeLay at 55, Tyler Heineman at 40, uh, 54, Michael Perez at 46, Andrew Knapp, who had a small cup of coffee, at 18, and then Jose Godoy uh, at minus 78. That's unfathomable. And for me, he's kind of representative of the guy that I would take off the 40-man, but realistically, I wouldn't mind if they just got rid of all five and started clean for next year. Um, So let's move on to a little bit more positive news. And Steve, why don't you tell me who your first guy on the list would be? I swear I'm not going to just talk about all pitchers here, but I'm going to start with Cody Bolton. Uh, So he's in a weird spot developmentally right now because of Tommy John's surgery. Um, But at the same time, I think he's a guy that's made some progress this past year. Uh, It was a really, really good prospect before he, he, you know, had the surgery. Uh, But at the same time, I, I could see him logically contributing very soon, probably out of the bullpen at first, but uh, I, I think he could be a useful player at least. So for me, my first on is the easiest pick. It's a complete no-brainer pick of the offseason. That's Andy Rodriguez. Uh, Andy barnstormed his way through the minors this year over multiple levels. Uh finishing across the levels with 25 home runs, a 997 OPS, uh, and a 323 batting average for you old heads. Um, for me, uh, he has the most, he would have the most successful minor league season of anybody. Uh, and that's including your O'Neill Cruz and Ronzi Contreras of the world. And, uh, if this episode sees the light of day and we actually decide to record a second one, I have an intriguing off-season plan for uh, Andy Rodriguez and his agent. But so, yeah, for me, Andy is my number one on. So my second on is going to be Matt Gorski. Um, He's a second-round pick. You know, he's uh, really struggled his first year in the system. Uh, Picked it up massively this year. Uh, You know, had uh, good numbers all the way up to AAA. I think he's a guy that they could potentially give a cup of tea and a chance to next year. Um, cup of coffee, sorry, not cup of tea. But I think he's got a chance uh, to be a pretty decent hitter. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of players that I'd rather lose potentially than him. So put him on. So I'm going to go with Mike Burrows as, as my number two. Um, he also had a very great start to his season. Uh, in Altoona, and once he finally got promoted up to Indy, uh, he met a little resistance there, but the the surface numbers were still very solid for me. Um, I see a number three upside with him, and it's to the point that even Baseball America is starting to notice him, and he made the back end of Baseball America's top 100 uh, but realistically, he was probably secretly hoping he could be number 106. Oh, my goodness. Did everybody get that my that's goodness. going to get it? Do, do we need to put out footnotes for this episode? Or So um, 
I'm going to stay with uh, uh, with the in the outfield uh, for my next pick, and I'm going to go with Blake Sable. Uh, he's a little bit more versatile than a straight outfielder. He's not a great catcher, but he can catch at the very least. Um, he is uh, he's a guy that has hit everywhere that he's been so far. Um, really, I think a good chance that he um, ends up getting picked by somebody else because he's. Uh, as close to being major league ready at this point as as he kind of can be. So again, a guy that I'd like to. I, I don't know if is he going to be great. I don't know, but I'd like to at least see him get a shot. So my number three is going to be uh, Malcolm Nunez, and it's not even really someone that I really like. Uh, he's just a first baseman, and to me, he's not super special. But the Pirates obtained him just a couple months ago uh, in the Jose Quintana trade. And I just can't see them risking losing him and then not saving face uh, in the Quintana trade. Yeah, um, I took a little break from the bullpen, but I'm going back. So uh, Tanaj Thomas is uh, the last guy that I would put on. Uh, Pirates have spent so much time fixing him. Uh, I'd hate to see him go now that he's actually there. So um, bullpen lacks a lot of upside. And I think he's one of the guys that's pretty close to major league ready that's in the system uh, that I, I think would be a nice complement to uh, to what they have. Um, but yeah, again, hate to lose him. So uh, I'm also going to go pitcher for my last one. And I'm going to go with every year it seems that the Pirates always put a guy on the 40-man that everyone's kind of like, huh? And then they scramble to figure out who that player is and then, of course, instantly become fans of his. Uh, and for me this year, that's going to be Domingo Gonzalez. Um, his surface numbers as a starter are not great uh, with his 490 ERA this year uh, across two levels. But I do like his uh, high K rate that he had across 104 innings this year. He had 103 strikeouts. So to me, that says that perhaps his days as a starter could be over and might be time to pare his pitch count down and convert him into a reliever and just kind of let that fastball eat a little bit. Um, so that is four on, four off. And what I kind of wanted to lead into next for you, Steve, is uh, I alluded to it earlier with Kevin Newman, but in my opinion, the Pirates kind of have a little bit of a glut of middle infielders right now. Um, setting aside O'Neill Cruz, I want to run down this other list of names, and I want you to tell me your thoughts on them and whether or not they can be an impact player for the Pirates, which you and I have always defined as three war or above. Uh, and if you think that a position change off of either shortstop or second, which they currently are, is in the cards for any of these guys. So uh, again, setting aside O'Neill Cruz, uh, let's start off with Rodolfo, Rodolfo Castro, second base. So yeah, I could see him having a, a three-war season here or there. Uh, he's got a power. He's a decent fielder, um, you know. But I, I don't see him consistently getting there. Uh, I mean, maybe more in the average range. Like I think he's a useful player, uh, but I don't think he's going to be consistently impactful. Yeah, I could. I could see that. All right, uh, G1 Bay. So. 
you alluded to position switches, and I think we've seen him play center field uh, a little bit during his stint in the majors, and I could definitely see him making the switch out there. I, I don't think he's a you know particularly um, adept fielder in the outfield. I mean, it's a position that he could grow into given his speed. Um, but he's the kind of a he's a useful player that the Pirates just simply don't have a lot of. Uh, the, the, there's just not a lot of on base leadoff hitter type guys um really if you look at his numbers all the way through the 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 minors no matter when and now into the majors in a very small sample size he's been remarkably consistent with his hitting um he's always been in the 750 to 800 range and he's always been you know uh, young for his level if he can be a, a passable defensive center fielder and and go somewhere between you know, 750 and 815, we'll say, OPS-wise, every year. I think he could every so often sneak in there, you know, three war seasons and certainly be, you know, a, a guy that they can rely on in that position and not be disappointed. Yeah. Brian Reynolds led this team with a 345 on-base percentage and a triple A, albeit triple A, uh, G1 uh, was at 362. So if he can even just keep in that 350 range, um, that would be an asset. Plus, with his great speed, uh, Cabrian Hayes led this team with 20 stolen bases. And I could easily see Bay eclipsing that at the top of the lineup. And that way you can move Reynolds, who's starting to leak a little oil uh, with his advanced defensive stats. You can move him into left field. And then I'd like to maybe see it getting a long look at Bay uh, in the uh, next season of 2023. Uh, okay, Diego Castillo. So he'll have a job, but I don't think it'll be an impact job. I, I see him as more of a utility, move around the the diamond sort of guy. A little bit of power, um, you know, pretty solid defense uh, anywhere that he goes. So, I mean, but that's that's his role. He's, he's just going to be a, a solid backup at a number of positions and it, always very useful to have a guy like him on the roster that's not named Josh Van Meter. Uh, what if I told you that Diego Castillo translates into Josh Van Meter? Um, I know enough Spanish to know that's not true. All right. Uh, next up, Hoy Park. Yeah, no. How about Tucapito Marcano? So he's still really young for level. Um, you know, I, I mean, for the amount of experience that he has, but, I mean, again, I kind of see him in a similar role to Castillo without the power. Um, he's been incredible, like, he, in terms of his, like, streak hitting. Like, I mean, it's like he gets uh, he gets on fire in AAA, and then he comes up, and then that lasts for about a week in the majors. Um, so, I mean, like, I don't know, maybe that's his play. He, he starts in AAA gets hot, comes up for an injury, you know, plays like a, a maniac for a week and then goes back down again. I don't know. I guess that's only, that, that's not a real sustainable plan, but um, I don't know. I don't see him as an impact player though. All right. So the, we're going to talk about two guys that were not up. Uh, well, one of them was up for like literally a day, but you know what I mean? Uh, but they might force the pirate's hand to bring them up in 2023. So let's start with uh, Leover Perguero, who came up for the aforementioned one day. 
Yeah, he's a really interesting player because, uh, I mean, again, really young for level. He's been pretty productive, but he really rode the struggle bus after his call-up. Like, he was ice cold for, what, a solid two months after that? Um, he picked it up again a little bit at the end of the season, but, um, you know, and, and again, he's he's so young relative to other players in AA that I, I don't really think it's anything to, to worry about or anything like that, but... Um, I think he could be a, a an impact player. I know the question is, is does he make that impact with the Pirates or does he make it with another organization? Um, he seems like a guy that might be the last to be ready uh, of, of some of these middle infield prospects. So you, you kind of have to wonder where they're going to find room for him. And and does he become a trade candidate uh, for somebody that, uh, that that they'd like to add at some point down the road if somebody else really establishes themselves at second base. Okay, and finally, uh, Nick the Stick Gonzalez. Yeah, so um, I really genuinely uh, think that his uh, beginning of the year was probably a blip. I, I think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, I, I mean, as he should be, considering he was a top 10 pick. Um you know, he was, uh, he only had six, six errors the whole season at, at second base, uh, K rate the second half of the season. I know that was the swing and miss is a huge thing that everybody, uh, is concerned about. But when, after he came back from injury, his, it was down to 22.6. Uh, he OPS, uh, 917 after injury with a 226 ISO. Uh, I mean, I know that he's, um, you know, I, I know that you, you want to see prospects you want to see him light, the world on fire at every level, but, um, the tools are there for him. Uh, I mean, he's supposed to have elite bat speed. Uh, he's, uh, you know, I, I mean, and again, he's, you know, the, the power's there, the, uh, the contact, I think it seems like it's improving, uh, and, and, and he can defend the position. I, I do still think he's probably the highest upside second baseman in the system. Okay. Well, uh, I think that they're going to be sifting through and making those decisions internally. Uh, me personally, I, I think uh, Rodolfo Castro at second, O'Neill Cruz at short, G1 Bay up the middle uh, triangle would be pretty intriguing. And then just kind of let the pieces fall where they may uh, for the rest of it. Uh, Steve, I am looking on my laptop's battery and it is telling me that it is time to end this podcast uh it's also time for me to go to sleep this west coast east coast thing is uh is a bear yeah yeah this is uh i mean i I got a few hours left in me at this point but yeah I'm, i'm i'm very sorry to keep you up so late again tonight but it's been a pleasure and i mean i look forward to doing more of these things with you and uh it's it's always good to just catch up and talk pirates with you yep I agree with you. So uh, this is where if we weren't cheap and if we had some musically inclined friends, we'd play our outro. But I think for right now, we're just going to say see ya and hopefully we get an episode two out. So I'm Kevin Cray. I'm Steve DiMaselli. And thanks for listening to Teapod.